Welcome to Jacksonville.Radio. We're a family of radio stations serving the Jacksonville and South Georgia areas. As a service to our community, we highlight organizations and events that help make this area the best place in the country to live. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Hey, and welcome to North Florida Neighborhood. I'm Colby. And North Florida Neighborhood is all about getting to know our neighbors and hearing what cool stuff they're doing with us and for us in our community, our hometown. And today, the neighbor we get to chat with is Paul Stacy. He's a new CEO for the City Rescue Mission. Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, well, thank you. Um, This is really an awesome opportunity to be able to talk about City Rescue Mission and the golf tournament. Yeah, Paul, first kind of give me a rundown on who the City Rescue Mission is. Okay, well, the the awesome thing about City Rescue Mission is this is our 75th anniversary for providing hope, healing, and change for those who are most in need here in Jacksonville. So we provide overnight emergency services for those who are experiencing homelessness, a meal for anyone who is hungry. We have our Life Builder program for anyone who's dealing with a substance use addiction. Uh, we have workforce development to help people get back on their feet and get back into the workforce. And then we have our Homes of Hope, which is our transitional housing. So the golf tournament you know, is, is a way to help us to raise money to be able to do those needed and valued services for Jacksonville. And CRM has been around for 75 years, and this is the 13th annual golf tournament, right? Yes, correct. So when is this happening? Okay, it is August 30th, and it will be at TPC Sawgrass Stadium Course. And when we sign up to participate in this, what does that look like? Well, we have... uh, individual registration fees. We have teams. Uh, We can use additional sponsors for different kind of uh, sponsorship packages, like they begin at $750 as a whole sponsor. Uh, But the registration team, the registration fee for a team would include a team of four, on-course concessions, personalized engraved bag tags, four caddy gratitudes and golf fees and and much more included in that we have a a lunch and a dinner um and there's an award ceremony so there there's it's a really wonderful day out at tpc sawgrass and out of all different events you guys could host um why choose a golf tournament like why is that so important because it's fun (laughs) um and it's it's an amazing course, so you know to be able to get out, uh, whether it's with your friends or business associates, or if you own a business and and you know maybe invite uh, someone who you're um, dealing with on on a contract negotiation or something. There's there's a lot of things that happen just over a round of golf, and it, it's a great way to to have that opportunity to get out there with other golf lovers. Have a great day, and then all the proceeds go to City Rescue Mission to help the hungry, homeless, and those experiencing addiction. And so, when the when the money goes towards CRM, what? How are you actively helping 
the hungry and the homeless and the addicted? Well, every night we serve a meal to anyone who's hungry. So it, it, they don't have to be homeless. It's just anyone who's experiencing hunger can show up at our doors for a hot nutrition meal uh, for dinner. Then we have our uh, overnight emergency services if someone is experiencing homelessness. And we actually, since uh, we talked last in April, I think it was, um, we've added a new program, and we're calling it the Overcomer Program, where it's a 24-hour care for, you know, if someone is homeless, they can stay with us 24 hours, not just overnight. Mm. And included in that is intensive case management to help them really look at what happened that caused them to fall into homelessness, and then how can we help them get back on their feet um, through a, a lot of different ways, which would we can provide a lot of services, but then also we collaborate with many other service providers in the community uh, as well as employers to help them get um, uh, a job and be able to get back on their feet. And we work with a number of landlords to help them move out into long-term housing so that, you know, when they come to us for help for being homeless, when uh, our hope is that when they leave, they're able to move into that long-term sustainable, successful, and victorious life. So you've recently started the Overcomer program. What's the response been so far? Have you guys been able to help a lot? Uh, Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, You know, we had to do a little restructuring in our shelter because we wanted to give a a living room in there. So Mm -hmm. um, it's we're we're maybe serving a, a few less people at a time, but the great thing is we're it's a much more intensive services so that it's not just that overnight uh, bed, but it's seen to help, which is good. You know, it helps people get off the street and be in a safe place and and uh, a meal. Um, but this is much more intensive and. And a longer term, because we want to make sure that when they leave, they're they're able to leave successfully. So we've seen a lot of people getting jobs, moving into that longer term housing, um, and just in the few months that we've been doing it, I'm I'm really happy what we're seeing happen there, and that we can help people in that way. And this is just one of the many ways we get to contribute to City Rescue Mission when we participate in the golf tournament. And real quick, Paul, you you kind of mulled over it, but you mentioned the course. It's at the TPC Sawgrass, and why is this course like so special? Well, the one special thing is it's right here in our backyard. Yeah, and it's, you know, a nationally known course that, uh, you know, maybe not everybody has a membership to and is able to play at. So this just gives a great opportunity that uh, they can go and play there. And we, how we arrange it is we have the whole afternoon. So we have that stadium course the entire afternoon to ourselves. It's a shotgun start. We can have up to 34 teams. Uh, so it's it's all city rescue mission, and it, it's um, you know it's it's a great course. We we have a couple of hole in one opportunities, and actually last year we we even had our tournament last year 
during COVID <laughs> because everybody wanted to get out. Yeah. Um, but, but last year, someone got a hole-in-one <gasps> on, on hole 17 at Island Hole uh, and won, uh, you know, he had an option of cash or a vehicle. So, so it's, there's that opportunity too. So it's, it's just a really fun time. Um, we, we end the day with that awards ceremony and a great dinner and there's a live auction and a silent auction with, with a lot of, uh, other like vacation opportunities that people can bid on. So it, it's just a great fun day. And, um, you know, you can leave with the the joy of saying that you played at stadium course with your friends, um, but then also it went for a cause. Yeah, Paul, what are you most excited about for this event? Well, I'm I'm most I've been involved with even though I am the new executive director, I've been with City Rescue Mission for six years, so I've been at six of these past the past six of the thirteen. Uh, tournaments and I, I think it's just like I said it's just a great time for people to come together have fun hear about what we do here at City Rescue Mission and uh, for all of their their time and efforts and money and um, you know they're they're blessing us so that we can then bless others with help and this is just one of the events you guys do but year-round y'all are in need of help so what's it look like for your community to come and stand beside you and help you what do you need from us you know the the awesome thing about the Jacksonville community is everybody is so giving and helping and whether it's through uh, individual donation and gifts or through volunteering, uh, we need it all. Uh, you know, especially with volunteering, we just for safety purposes, we had to stop uh, volunteers from coming in because we wanted to make sure our volunteers were safe as well as those we serve last year. But uh, volunteers are, are coming back, but I think there's still, I know there are still a number of people who are not comfortable in, in coming back uh, to volunteer. So, so we're in need of volunteers in a lot of different areas. Uh, if someone wanted to go on our website, it's crmjax.org, and just go to volunteers, and they'll see volunteer opportunities, and they can sign up for that. Um, as far as uh, other information, there, that's there on the website as well as giving opportunities. So, you know, we really love to have the community continue to come in and partner with us um, so that we can serve the most needy here in Jacksonville. Mm. And most recent or the soonest way we can partner is either by going online, signing up to volunteer, or like you mentioned, help celebrate your 75th anniversary um, and participate in the 13th annual Champions Challenge Golf Tournament. And again, like Paul said, that's happening August 30th. It's going on at TPC Sawgrass Course, which, like you said, Paul, is literally in our backyard. And is it the same website? What's that website again where we can sign up and get more information? crmjax.org. Okay, Paul. Well, thank you so much for all you're doing in our community, and thank you for being such a great neighbor. Uh, well, thank you, Colby. Great talking with you, Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Listen again next week, and if you have an event or organization you'd like highlighted, please contact Colby King 
at Colby, C-O-L-B-I, at jacksonville.radio. Jacksonville.radio. We're a family of radio stations serving the Jacksonville and South Georgia areas. As a service to our community, we highlight organizations and events that help make this area the best place in the country to live. Thank you for listening to our North Florida neighborhood. Hi, and welcome to North Florida neighborhood. I'm Colby, and North Florida neighborhood is all about getting to know our super sweet neighbors and hearing what really sweet stuff they're doing with us and for us in the community. And today we get to chat with a neighbor, Jessie Miller. She's the director and compassion creator for Epic Outreach. Jessie, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Colby, for inviting me and having me on the air. I appreciate it. Oh, for sure. And okay, the name Epic Outreach is already pretty epic, but can you unload what it is to begin with? Yeah, so we are a 501c3 organization, and EPIC is a sort of an acronym. So EPIC stands for Educating People, Inspiring Compassion. And we're all about outreach. So we do a lot of outreach for teaching uh, kindness and compassion uh, to create a kinder world for people, animals, and planet. And the things that you are teaching are very deep. Like there's a lot of substance to them. So how do you even begin to teach compassion and inspire compassion in these people? Yeah, so we do it through animals, and uh, we actually have a farm sanctuary on the north side, and we invite people to come to the farm sanctuary and really building off of that human-animal bond through direct encounters with animals. And then we also have gone into the schools, so we have a few uh, therapy animals, a dog and some guinea pigs, (laughs) and we take them into the classroom uh, and teach kids. Our primary focus is kids, of course, having adults come out to the sanctuary is always good for that direct interaction, but going into the classroom and we teach through their stories. So all the animals that we have at the farm sanctuary and that our therapy animals are all rescued and they all have a story to tell and they all teach um, through those stories of their rescue about, you know, what you need to do to care for an animal, how to be kind to an animal, how can you be a better pet parent to your dog or cat, um, and then... Of course, we have farm animals that we talk about, too, when they come to the farm. So how many how many animals do y'all have in total, like at the farm and then also that y'all bring to schools? So we have um, two guinea pigs that come to the school, to the classroom, and then we have um, two therapy dogs that we can bring. And then at the farm, we have about 25-ish animals. Oh my we just added a couple of new pigs and uh, a new horse. 
within the last couple of weeks. So, and then we have uh, barn cats too. And then of course, other horses and donkeys and uh, some chickens and a rooster and a bunny. Oh, <laughs> and a bunny. Can't forget the bunny. Well, where, I, I get it's rescued animals and it's an animal sanctuary, but how do you guys even begin to find like, oh, this horse needs a home or this pig needs a home? They find us generally. Uh, you can imagine that there are a lot of animals that end up in situations that they need to be rehomed, including farm animals. And so we get reached out to a lot uh, for those animals needing to be rehomed. Of course, we have to look for kind of a special criteria because we do have kids and people coming out because our main mission and focus is education outreach. So we look for animals that uh, really have uh, an ability to be able to share their story and be an ambassador. So the majority of our horses are all um, what we call pasture pets because we don't ride them. We're not a riding facility uh, and they all um, have some sort of a history where they can't be ridden and some of them are really um, senior and so they have injuries or they just don't we don't ride them anymore and some of them have other things going on and so they are here um, and that's what we love about them we love caring for them and we love teaching about caring for them and that's really what our mission is is about teaching kindness through care and um, and then telling their stories about rescue and how they ended up in situations that um, they needed help. So, Jesse, what does it look like? It sounds like there's a lot happening at the sanctuary. So what does it look mm-hmm. like if I were to come and want, want to learn how to be compassion? Yeah, so you would reach out to us. So we're only we're not open to the general public, so you have to RSVP a visit. We do live on site, so we don't open it up. We can't just have people show up and yeah. um, come for a visit. Uh, but you can RSVP and come out for a tour. And so you go and meet all the animals, and we talk about their different situations of rescue and how the um, situations that they found themselves in and then what it what it looks like to care for them um, and some the two pigs that we recently just took in are pot belly pigs and they're very popular pets and so but they also do have certain behaviors that aren't very popular um, once they get older and so they end up in situations where they need to be rehomed and so teaching people about their needs if they're interested in adopting um, is really important um, because education is everything. And if you, once you know better, you can do better. And so um, you would come have a tour and meet all the animals and learn about their stories and then what it takes to care for them. I love that you said once you know better, you can do better. And yeah, we, we can yeah. we can learn this at the sanctuary, but then beforehand you said y'all are also coming into schools. So what yes. what happens when y'all come to a school? That sounds so fun. Yeah, so we would bring one of the therapy animals, either the dog or the guinea pigs. Um, obviously, we don't bring the horses <laughs> or the um, sanctuary pigs. Um, but we would come in, and we actually have children's books. So we write stories about the animals that we rescue. And then those stories teach about kindness and teach about how to care. And so we will come in and either read the stories or we actually have little games that we play, and then we have education that we teach. Um, and so we do that through, um, also through artwork. We do creativity. So we might make toys for the pets in shelters that are waiting for homes. So we'll talk about animal shelters and dogs and cats that are homeless, and then we make toys for them that then we would take into uh, the shelters to give them. Um, or we talk about Oliver the pig who um, was abandoned and was astray and then ended up at the farm sanctuary and we share his story because he has a book about his story. And these are books y'all wrote? 
Yes. So I've written um, two of the books and then two of the books I co-authored and then I've illustrated all of them. So I, I illustrate all the books that I um, helped to create and two of them I self-published and two of them I went through an independent uh, small publisher. And so, yep, they're all children's books and actually have had adults read them and learn from the stories. So they're actually pretty impactful. Are they up for sale? I mean, you, you said you read them at the schools, but can we also buy them if we're just genuinely they interested can. yeah so if they go to our website epicoutreach.org the books are on there and you can um, purchase them it'll actually take you to a link out on amazon and they are for sale on amazon and all the proceeds um, benefit the farm sanctuary and supports the outreach work that we do through education yeah jesse i was going to ask it sounds like a lot of the things you guys do especially taking care of all these animals and i'm also assuming the property is a lot of work also. How are y'all able to afford it all? Yeah, so because we're a 501c3, we do a lot of fundraising. And so we get funding through uh, private donations, through grants, through fundraising. We do a lot of fundraisers on Facebook. And uh, and then we, we apply for grants, and then people give us private donations. And when people come to visit the farm, you people will usually leave a donation uh, for the tour. There's not a specific for coming for a visit, but it is recommended to make a donation when you come for a visit. Um, and we also do virtual tours. So because of COVID, we um, do virtual tours. So we have a lot of classrooms that will reach out and ask for a virtual tour if they're doing virtual teaching, and we'll take you on a virtual tour through a Zoom call, and you get to meet the animals up close and personal, and then those teachers a lot of times will make a donation too. And how can a school get in contact with y'all if they're interested in doing that for their classroom? Yeah, they can reach out directly to me. They can go on the website, um, epicoutreach.org, and um, all of our contact information is right there, or they could email me directly at jesse, J-E-S-S-I-E, at epicanimals.org pluralsorg and um, we could set that up for sure. It's really cool everything that y'all are doing, especially teaching these kids at such a young age the importance of fostering something and taking care of something. But for those of us who are maybe older and have had pets or aren't really in that position yet, what are just like some basic ways that we can be kinder to animals, whether they're our own or other people's What are things that you feel like people are missing the mark on when it comes towards compassion with animals? Yeah, you know, I think everybody has the ability to be kinder, even to each other, right? So we don't just teach about being kind to animals. We teach about being kind to each other and the planet as a whole. And so, you know, it's just, you know, being kind, saying kind things to each other, um, being kind to, you can be kind to your neighbor's pet by, you know, giving them, you know, touching them um, or asking your neighbor if they need help with anything. Um, Or, you know, if you have a pet, you want to be kind, you can groom them, pet them, love them, take them for a walk if you have a dog. Um, These are just simple things that people can do. And then for, you know, nature and the planet, you know, if you see trash on the ground, pick it up. Or, you know, if you can recycle, it's so simple to recycle um, these days, uh, keep things out of our oceans and out of our rivers and um, not allowing wildlife to encounter and learning to live with wildlife. We are surrounded by wildlife um, out here at the farm sanctuary. And so when people come to visit, we talk about living with wildlife and how we can do that um, because they, this is their home too. And so we have to learn to give them space and be kind to them um, by learning to live with them. Well, Jesse, so many cool opportunities 
if we want to learn more if or if we want to have a virtual tour of the sanctuary or just come in person and see it, what's a good way and website we can stay connected and contact you? Yeah, visit epicoutreach.org and uh, follow us on Facebook. We post a lot about any upcoming events. We post a lot of videos. We go live every Friday and share about what the animals are up to on the farm. And so following us on Facebook or even Instagram, um, Epic Outreach um, is who we are listed under on Instagram and Facebook. And you can follow and see what we're doing and um, what's happening at the farm uh, through pictures and videos. Well, great. Jesse, thank you so much for being such a great neighbor in our community. Yeah, no, thank you. And I uh, extend a personal invite for you to come to visit the farm. The animals would love to meet you. I would love that. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Listen again next week. And if you have an event or organization you'd like highlighted, please contact Colby King at Colby, C-O-L-B-I, at Jacksonville.radio. As a business owner, it's top priority that my office equipment and technology is top-notch. That's why I work with CFX Office Technology. Charlene here, do you have reliable copiers and printers along with a secure scanning and document management solution? Call my friends at CFX Office Technology. CFX is a family business here in Jacksonville. They're helpful, professional, and always respond super fast to any issue. Trust me, call them for your business needs. Visit cfxoffice.com, cfxoffice.com, and tell them Charlene sent you. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Now, when you make a purchase with Credit Karma Money through July 23rd, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney now to open your free account and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rule. Banking services provided by MVB Bank, Inc. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Great values are happening now during Lowe's Summer Savings. Save on select appliance special values. Plus, save an additional $50 when you buy two or more appliances, each price $396 or more. You'll also find new lower prices on ceiling fans, landscape lighting, and more. So shop Lowe's today. Must ask cashier to apply discount in store. Online must use promo code. Can't be combined with any other discounts. See Lowe's.com for exclusions and terms. Valid 7:15 through 8:4. U.S. only. I worry about lots of things. My finances, my grandkids. If you're 65 or older, you have enough things to worry about. Pneumococcal pneumonia shouldn't be one of them. Even healthy adults 65 and older are at increased risk for this potentially serious bacterial lung disease that can disrupt your life for weeks. Help protect yourself with the Prevnar 13 pneumococcal 13-valent conjugate vaccine, diphtheria CRM197 protein. Prevnar 13 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 13 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 13 does not protect against all strains of the disease. Don't get Prevnar 13 if you have had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with a weakened immune system may have a lower response to the vaccine. The most commonly reported side effect was pain at the injection site. For additional common side effects and full prescribing information, please call 1-866-694-9300 or visit Prevnar13.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about Prevnar 13. Welcome to Jacksonville.radio. We're a family of radio stations serving the Jacksonville and South Georgia areas. As a service to our community, we highlight organizations and events that help make this area the best place in the country to live. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood.
and welcome to North Florida Neighborhood. I'm Colby, and North Florida Neighborhood is all about getting to know our neighbors and just hearing what really sweet and special stuff they're doing with us and for us in our community. And today, the neighbor we get to chat with is Colleen Rodriguez. She's with the Jewish Family and Community Services. Colleen, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, of course. Now, first, give me a rundown on who the Jewish Family and Community Services is and what you guys do. Absolutely. So we are a 104-year-old organization. We were established in 1917. And back then, we were established to help the Jewish community. A lot of people were settling here, so we were helping them with housing and food. And then here we are over 100 years later still providing some of those same services. But I do think it's important for people to know that even though we are established in Jewish values, that we serve the entire community. Over 80% of those that come to us for assistance are not Jewish. But we do that through various ways, through food and financial assistance, which, as I said, we've been doing for over 100 years. We have mental health counseling. We do a lot of work in the child welfare, foster care arena, a lot of school-based programs. And then, of course, we do support the Jewish community and have the privilege of supporting over 100 Holocaust survivors that reside in Northeast Florida. So you guys cover a lot of areas. And Colleen, thank you for just right off the bat debunking the myth that, hey, this is only if you're Jewish. That's not the case. Like you said, this is for all of our neighbors, everybody in the community. Um, but I, I want to kind of dive into some of the programs you offer. First, can we go over, you said you help with mental health? We do. So we have a mental health a counseling department. We call it DuPont Counseling Group, where it's just like a private practice. We see individuals and couples and families. We provide a lot of support in the school system. So we have therapists that are based in the Arlington area, as well as through another program that we have, Achievers for Life. Um, we have we have case managers and therapists based in some of the middle schools. So it's just we accept Medicaid, we accept insurance panels. We're one of the few organizations who still take sliding scale fee, as well as we have psychiatrists and nurse practitioners if people are needing evaluations and or med management. And we also are an outpatient drug treatment agency. So if people are struggling with addiction or family members are wanting to come and get support because they have a loved one that's struggling with addiction, we provide that service as well. So say I'm struggling with depression and anxiety, I can reach out to you guys and then you would outsource me or how would that work? No, we have counselors right on staff. Okay. So you would just call Jewish Family and Community Services and say I'm in need of, of mental health services and we would you would be put in touch with a therapist who would make an appointment with you. And right now, due to COVID, you have the opportunity to either come into the office and have your appointment face-to-face or if you're still not comfortable with that, we are doing telehealth and so you could have uh, your session via Zoom. And what, what makes your counselors different than if I were to call another other psychiatrist? Well, I think it's because we're a full-service organization, which mm-hmm. sets us apart. Some people do come to us for one service, and they're coming in, they're going to get counseling, they're going to leave, they don't need any other help or assistance. But very often what happens is when people come through our doors, they may come in for counseling. But then we realize, you know what, due to COVID, I'm having a lot of financial issues. Not sure how I'm going to feed my children tonight. I'm behind in mm-hmm. rent. And what's nice about Jewish Family is that instead of having to give you Uh, referrals we just take you down the hallway and if we can assist you with rent we do we can help you with your utilities you could pick up some food if you need to so we're designed really to be able to wrap multiple services around the individuals and families that come to us every day okay so you just said you can help assist with rent 
what what does that mean for us just hey i'm having a hard time i don't have enough money or how do we get right. that help so a couple of different things so we get city funding from the city and the state and other donors that we can help people with rent mortgage and utility payments so if people get behind a lot of people got behind because their hours were reduced mm-hmm. or there was loss of employment due to covid we also are one of the organizations that are working with United Way and other partners with emergency rental assistance program. That was, those were federal dollars that came to our city. So we're actually able to help support people with the goal of preventing homelessness. Wow. So if, if people fall behind, things have happened, loss of jobs, sometimes an illness of a child and one parent has to stop working, lots of different circumstances, then people come to us and we were able to help pay their rent, mortgage, or utility bills. And I just want to reiterate, this is with the Jewish Family and Community Services, but you do not have to be Jewish to receive these services. Absolutely not. Over 80% of our clients, as I mentioned earlier, are not Jewish, so all are welcome to come through our doors. So do you think you would ever kind of change the name to make it more obvious that, hey, you don't have to be Jewish? Or no, because like you said, you've been around for 104 years and you guys have that stability in the community. That topic comes up every once in a while with our board of directors and we absolutely will not change our name. We absolutely were developed and designed with Jewish values. We were designed to serve the Jewish community. There's a Jewish phrase, tikkun olam, which means to repair the world, make the world around you better. That is absolutely the value that our agency is established on so the jewish community is really raised around not only making your individual personal world better but your world around you better Mm. and that's what we do here at jewish family so no we're not going to take the jewish out of our name okay no that's so good to know And, and you said part of like the values is making the world around you better would you say that's your mission statement also absolutely our mission statement is helping people help themselves Mm. Uh, but but it Yes, that's why we're here. We want to make sure our families are stronger, our community is stronger, our school ba- our schools are stronger. That's why we're based in the schools. And really just meeting people where they are and being able to provide, again, those wraparound services are critical. And how, how are you able to, I feel like it's such a broad statement, help people help themselves. Like, where do you even start with that? Well, our goal is for p- families and individuals not to become dependent on us. Mm. So, for instance, when we do financial assistance with a family, there's conversation around, if I pay your rent this month, how are you going to pay it next month? Mm. Let's look at your budget. Let's develop a plan for you moving forward. Is this a, is this a place where you can really stay and be successful, or are you paying too much? of your of your monthly income on this place and should we help you move would that be a wiser decision for your family are there some things that you can do education wise can you get an extra certification could we help you get that so that you can be bringing more income into your family so it's not just let me pay your bill and i hope you do well next week next week next month it's how can we make sure that you aren't needing services moving forward and we have great success with that because when we go back and we look six months later to see if i paid your rent this month we go back and see if you're still residing in that home six months and over 85 percent of the people that we serve absolutely are remaining in their homes which is our goal which means that the planning and the financial conversations all helped them. Can you share a personal success story that you've been able to witness? Oh, we see them every day across all of our programs. They're all a little different depending on which area we're talking about. Right now, with financial assistance and all of this emergency help due to COVID, we see families every day that never accessed help before. 
they were working. Many people that worked within the hospital industry for, you know, with elective surgeries and when elective surgeries stopped, they found themselves in a, in a very difficult situation with reduced hours. So I would say the most meaningful ones are the ones where people saying, you know what, I used to be a donor of your organization. I used to drop food by for your food pantry, and now here I am. And they absolutely didn't know how to seek that help. And so it took special conversations and a lot of, you know what, this is why we're here. And I have no doubt in years to come you will be back being a donor and dropping food off. But right now we're glad we're able to help you. And, and that story, our, my staff would tell you, is happening mm-hmm. day in and day out. And I, I love that it's more than just a handout. Like, hey, we're here to help you long term, not just for this month or this week. Absolutely. There's no benefit to that, to have someone that's, that's living on a system. They don't want that. I know that's the perception of people. People don't want to live on a system. People are not wanting a handout. They're really wanting to make their lives better and and make things easier for their children. And so if we're able to do that through both assistance, you know, financial assistance or food, absolutely. But if we can then provide mental health Mm -hmm. or some financial assistance case management, and some, some literacy work, then that, that makes it better and it makes that family stable moving forward. And no doubt in my mind, they'll go on to help someone else when they're able. Again, I have the privilege of chatting with Colleen Rodriguez. She's with the Jewish Family and Community Services. And we've debunked it this whole show and we're going to keep debunking mm-hmm. it. You do not need to be Jewish Jewish to receive their services. But one thing that you guys really pride yourselves in is serving and helping Holocaust survivors. Yes, we do. They are such an amazing group of individuals. We have we have several hundred that live in Northeast Florida, but our organization is serving currently 104 of them. They have just amazing stories of resiliency. It is so important that we share their stories, that people know that they are here. Sadly, many of them earned very prestigious degrees in other countries, and when they moved to the United States, those degrees were not honored here. Over 51% of our survivors are living at or below poverty. Mm. So it's very important to us that we make sure they have adequate housing and they have adequate food. And, of course, as they're aging, many of them are well into their late 80s and 90s, that they're getting the health care that they need and that they deserve. So if if we're a Holocaust survivor um, or we know somebody that's, like you said, in that poverty line or struggling what do they need to do to reach out to you? And then, like, do they have to prove they're a survivor? They do. So if they would just reach out to, to then go to our website at www.jfcsjacks.org or just call Jewish Family and Community Services, they will get matched with one of our geriatric case managers, and we will help them through that process. Yes, they have to prove that they are a Holocaust survivor, but there's a way that we can do that with them. And they actually, there's something called Claims Conference. Germany actually pays restitution to those that were negatively impacted by the Holocaust. And so they are actually eligible for those funds. And those funds will pay for home health care so that we can keep them in their home, wow. as well as some, as some other supportive dollars. So it's very important that if there are Holocaust survivors that are hearing this conversation and they are not receiving those funds, that they reach out to us and, and we'll help them get linked up. And money aside, you said you guys are able to help serve 104 in survivors in our community. Do they get to meet each other and hang out and like find support within one another? They do. So we have wonderful groups that we bring them together. It's interesting, about half live in Duval County and half live in Palm Coast, Mm -hmm. and they absolutely do have a network. Many of them live close to each other. 
pre-COVID and now soon to be post-COVID, hopefully, we do bring them together for groups. Those that are still able go into the schools and go into the community and share their story. Wow. Again, we have a real mission to make sure that people understand the Holocaust happened Mm -hmm. and why it happened, how it happened, and how can we prevent that moving forward. We have the Frisch Family Holocaust Gallery located in the middle of our, of our primary building, which is the only Holocaust gallery on the East Coast between Miami and Atlanta. And so we get different exhibits. They won't always be Jewish-themed, but they, will, they are always themed around um, acceptance and equality. And we use it as an opportunity for kids and the community to come in and we can share and have conversations with each other. And very often a Holocaust survivor will be in our building when it's not COVID and we have an op- people have an opportunity to meet with them and talk with them and mm-hmm. hear their stories. Wow, that is so beautiful. How, what kind of growth, y'all have been around for 104 years, which is insane. Obviously, times have changed, things are changed, how you do things change. So what's one of like the biggest pieces of growth that you've seen take place over the past 100 years within the the organization? I think all areas. One area that we did not do in the very beginning, obviously, it was was different then, but about 20 years ago, a little longer, the state of Florida privatized the child welfare system. So JFCS was one of the first organizations that jumped in and really became part of that process. So in Duval and Nassau County, if you make an abuse report, Department of Children and Families answers that call and does the initial investigation. But fairly quickly, your case is transferred to an organization, either Jewish Family and Community Services, Daniel, or an organization called NIAP. And then we are the ones that are working day in and day out with the families trying to mitigate whatever the issue was. Is it mental health? Was it domestic violence? Was it substance abuse? So that we can then safely reunify children with their families. That's always our goal Mm -hmm. is to keep families whole. If we can prevent the removal and provide intensive services in their homes and keep the children with them, that's our, our first priority. If we can't keep them safely in their homes, looking for relatives and and caregivers that are familiar to the children. Placing them into foster care, of course, is an option as well. But our goal always really is to try to keep that family intact Mm -hmm. if possible. And sadly, some of our families, we can't. Mm -hmm. The children just won't remain safe in their homes. And then we do look for long-term permanency, which is through adoption. And this kick-started, or that particular program kick-started 20 years ago. Is there anything that you're trying to put into effect right now? Through that program, it's always, right now, our, our community is unique. If you look across the state of Florida, we are very prevention-focused. When we started, we didn't have prevention. So it was if there was abuse, the child was removed. Now we actually serve more children through our prevention programs, which means the children remain with their families, than we actually do removals, which is great because children want to be with their parents. And parents want to be with their children, and they, if they can get the support and make the changes they need to make their family environment safe, that is the, that's the best ideal. Um, the best outcomes for children are those that stay with their families. If not, though, we do have amazing foster parents and adoptive families that step up and provide forever families, forever homes for our children, which is something really special to see. Because you, you can just tell that those children were, were made for those families and those families were made for them. Mm. And so we, we see that happen every day through our dependency court system. Mm. And, and aside from that particular program, is there one in general, like you're saying, man, we're starting to see that there's a need for this in our community and we want to come in and fill that? 
Mental health is going to be the area where I hope we see the most growth in our community. Mm-hmm. Florida, sadly, has not paid attention as well as some of the other states to mental health. The, the sad fact is I'm, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I was doing therapy in the 90s, and the Medicaid rate has remained the same. It has not increased for individual counseling. And so it makes it very difficult to build mental health capacity in the state of Florida when doctors and social workers and therapists are saying, you know what, I'm not going to even be able to cover my own expenses mm. with, with the rates remaining so low. So I really hope to see that we do a lot of advocacy and that our state really gets on board and realizes mental health is the foundation. We're spending billions of dollars with Baker Acts and arrests and, and people st- struggling with mental illness. A lot of that is also impacting our drug abuse situation, our opioid overdoses. And if we could really tackle mental health and see that area grow, I think that would be, we would see a lot of really positive outcomes. At Jewish Family and Community Services, we do get to have play our, our role in that. We are a community mental health provider. We are based in several of the Arlington schools through our um, full service school. And then again, as I mentioned, through mm-hmm. our Achievers for Life, which is a United Way partnership along with communities and schools, we're based in, in 10 middle schools. So we're getting mental health out there, but th- there's so much more that's needed in mm-hmm. our community. Well, thank you for being willing to fulfill that need. And Colleen, I, I want to switch gears here a little bit because you guys have partnered with the Max Block Food Pantry. Can you tell me what's going on with that and what your partnership looks like? Sure. So the, the Block family is a wonderful supporter of our organization. And and the Max Block Food Pantry is actually named after their father. It was this, our food pantry was established years and years ago. And so every during starting in May through July, the Max fam, Max Block family will match any dollar donated to our food pantry drive. So it's wonderful. So for every hundred dollars, we, we make two hundred dollars, and it really sustains us. And we and we do that in May, June, and July because we see spikes in our food pantry in the summer months because children, a lot of children, get their main primary meal at school. And so because they're not able to get that meal, we see food spikes in our food pantry. And so the Max Block family realized that, and we do this drive every year, and we're hoping the community will support and match those dollars so that we can to meet the increased need. Through the pandemic, um, Washington Carver Elementary School reached out to us. They had about 180 students, many of them eating their only meal or their primary meal at school. And we were able to open a satellite food pantry, and we hope to sustain that through the year. This, this challenge will help us do that. So we have a food pantry clothing closet based actually in the elementary school. Mm. That's in the 32209 zip code. And then another organization, Inspire to Rise, that's based in the 32210 zip code, reached out as well and said, we have people coming here for services and they're needing food. And so we were open, able to open a satellite food pantry there as well. So we want to continue both of those food pantries in the coming year. And you named a couple zip codes. Do we have to live in that zip code to get service? So for the children, it's all, the food pantry that's based in Washington Carver, it is only for those children and their families. The, and then for the ones in 3210 for Inspire to Rise, those are clients that are coming to their organization to get services. But our food pantry is open every Tuesday and Thursday afternoon. Walk-ins welcome, and it is not zip code restricted at all. Anyone is welcome to come. It is on a bus line if someone needs to take the bus. 
Um, but no, that's we're not zip code restricted in our agency. Okay, and for the Max Block Food Pantry Challenge, you guys just need money, or do you guys also need like non-perishable items? We always accept non-perishable items, but for this challenge, this mm-hmm. is a dollar match. We we would encourage a financial contribution that can be done through our website. Um, but of course, we never turn food away as well. Are you able to put in perspective, Colleen, just how common hunger is in our community? So the last statistic that I heard is that one in four children in our community are considered food insecure. And we absolutely see that every day. We know that every public school, regardless of zip code or area of town, have homeless children attending school there. We know that for a fact. And so that one in four number seems really, I would say that's an accurate number. And you guys are fighting hunger in the community in what ways? Just just reiterate all that you guys are doing for us. Sure. So we have our, our Max Box Food Pantry that's open to the entire community Tuesdays and Thursdays afternoons. Walk-ins are welcome. You do not need an appointment. We have our Washington Carver Elementary Food Pantry and Clothing Closet. We have our partnership with Inspire to Rise where we are bringing bags of food. We also do um, a DoorDash program for isolated seniors through our United Way partnership where we can actually deliver meals to people's homes. And then aside from that, we do geriatric case management at Jewish Family, and we provide meals to homebound seniors, our Holocaust survivors, uh, and we do some some fresh fruits that are delivered to them as well as frozen meals. So we do a lot of, of making sure that the people that are coming to us for services are getting adequate food and nutrition from our little ones all the way to our seniors. And aside from serving in that department, just backtracking, you guys serve in so many other ways. So what does manpower look like? Are y'all in need of volunteers? We always need volunteers. For COVID, (laughs) we had shut down, but we absolutely are always looking for people who would be willing to deliver meals to our seniors. Um, We do it in a safe way. You're dropping them off at the front door. You're not having to go into the homes right now due to COVID. Our food pantry is always needing um, food drives are great. And, and, and delivering them, and then we actually let the children and the volunteers stock those shelves. On any Tuesday or Thursday afternoon when we have lines out the door, we, we love to have people come to help bag and, and, and distribute. And then we have something coming up for the holidays. We do a holiday gift-giving program. So we want to make sure that the 2,000-plus children and seniors that we're serving at any given time around the holidays get to celebrate the holiday that they want to. Mm-hmm. The majority for our kids is Christmas. So we're looking for volunteers that will do a couple things. Some people, we're just asking them to adopt a child for the holidays. We give you their Christmas wish list. And if you'll go shopping and purchase those items and bring them back to us, then we make sure they're given to the child. But then, as you can imagine, thousands of gifts are coming to our organization during that period of time. And we're always looking for for volunteers to sort and tag and wrap and make sure that um, we're getting those presents out as quickly as possible. And we do that that program for both our children and for our seniors. So you guys are filling a need in the community, and there's obviously a need for volunteers. So we will step up and help serve you in that way. So, Colleen, can you tell us the best way to get in contact if we want to help or if we need help? The easiest way, I really believe, is to go to our website, which, again, is the www.jfcsjax.org. It's the acronym for Jewish Family and Community Services. And then you can click, do I need counseling? Do I need food pantry? Do I want to make a donation to the Max Block Food Challenge? All of that is on our website. 
and, and individual numbers for each of the departments as well. So that's probably the easiest way to get involved. And if you want to become a volunteer, there's a way to access that information as well. Okay. Well, Colleen, thank you so much for all you do for our community and for being such a sweet neighbor. Oh, well, thank you for having us and being able to share our story today. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Listen again next week, and if you have an event or organization you'd like highlighted, please contact Colby King at colby, C-O-L-B-I, at jacksonville.radio.